With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'd rather Villa got all the mistakes out of the way in one game rather than making a mistake every game and losing different games. Uh, wants to try and connect with the fans. You know, that's really. That's really key, actually. It comes across in, in every conversation you know I've had, either individually or, or collectively with him. He, he 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 can see that this club, um, you know, is ready for lift off and 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 it needs real togetherness. I think what we will see in the next window is some of the players that were linked um, to Villa in this last window. Villa going back in for them. The, the one exception, Gerard Delafeo, um, told there is no interest in him despite some of the, the links the links to the Udinese winger there. The 1874 Show by the Villa View. Hello, welcome to 1874 on the Villa View. We are no longer on the Athletic, but Greg and I missed speaking to each other so much we thought we'd bring it back on the Villa View and people seem to miss it on social media as well. So it was something we were keen to get back going again. This show is sponsored by Luke Roper. If you want to get 20% off everything Luke Roper has to offer, including this T-shirt that I'm wearing, get the badge in, then you have, all you have to do is use the code TVV20 and you'll get 20% off everything on the Luke Roper website. I'm delighted to be joined by my good friend, Global Greg Evans. I found Greg that since we stopped doing 1874, we've not spoken. As much, I don't know whether that's purposeful on, on your behalf. I know you have been very busy over the last few months, in, in fairness, but we don't, we don't talk as much nowadays, so it'd be good to do a podcast because I'll actually get to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, well, first and foremost, thanks for having me back. It's uh, it's good to talk to you a little bit more. No, we haven't really talked, uh, we haven't really spoken much, have we? And it, you don't look any better looking from when we last no. used to speak anyway, so not much has changed there. No, and I need a haircut, in fairness. I do need a haircut. That's probably not helping with the looks and the shave. So neither of those things are helping, Greg. You're looking fresh 
to be to be fair to you. It's worth saying at this point that we know 1874 used to be an audio-only podcast, but people did used to say they'd like it to be video. So what we're planning to do is give people the option so you can either watch it on YouTube, like all the other Villa View content, as you, I mean, you are now, if you can see our faces, you're watching it on YouTube, but we are going to have it, make sure it's out on time on all the audio platforms as well, because we know that's how people used to digest the content. Greg, we'll start with, well, I don't want to start with it, but we will. We'll look at the Villa's defeat to Leicester at home on Saturday at Villa Park. I assume you're in the press box. As I say, I don't speak to you as much anymore. So you'd have been in the press box. I was in my seat in the halt end. A bad day at the office for Villa. But we were just saying before we came on, in some ways now, looking back, it's now Monday. I'd rather Villa got all the mistakes out of the way in one game rather than making a mistake every game and losing different games. Yeah, I think it's a good point, actually. Um, it's very unusual to see so many individual mistakes in one game. And if you look back at all four of the goals, I think three of the goals definitely came through mistakes. Um, you could probably say four as well. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think there's an element of bad luck to the result. I thought Villa played well going forward. Uh, defensively, they weren't great. You know, we, we know that. But I think over the, the course of the season, or certainly um, the time that you know, Emery has been in charge, Villa have been impressive. So... As a mid-table team, they're going to have ups and downs. You know, there are going to be games where they don't win, and and they're going to turn out like Saturday. That that's just how it happens for evolving teams that are looking to push on and and get closer to those top six or seven positions. So it's a long process for Villa. Uh, I'm, I think the key is how they react. And yeah, it's just a shame that we're starting the first podcast on a defeat because we're supposed to be speaking. As vintage, it's perfect. So that's, a, that's what we do. Before. I mean, this is what we do. We did this to um, you know. For, for a couple of years that Villa lost more games than they won, didn't they? So let's not hope that's the start of a new trend either. But five wins from eight, there can't have been much, so there can't have been many times in your time covering Villa that Villa have won five and eight, in fairness, off the back of what you just said as well. So I get some of the reaction, the frustration with the way Villa have lost the game, the fact it was to a team that's been fighting re- relegation as well. It's at home, so... There's the frustration of that. I think Villa haven't had a good year, 12 months at home, really. Look, looking back over it, so I haven't won many home games over the last 12 months. So I get the frustration. But five wins from eight, when you look at the fixtures Villa have had, there's some splendid results in there. Yeah, you know, look, it's, it's a great it's a great run of results, five out of eight, um, which is why I think supporters now are looking back on it. Um, as a whole, you know, as, as a package, they're looking at the eight games, they're not looking at the Saturday's result. I mean, I don't blame anybody who, who went and paid their, their money at Villa Park on, on Saturday for, for getting frustrated with the result. Um, I'm sure you were yourself, Dan, you know, walking out of there. But you, all right. you, you quickly forget about it when you when you look at the big picture. Um, and and I think the way Emery has come in and he's he's taken the club away from relegation bother. I mean, th- there's no Villa fans out there really that are concerned now about getting relegated, are there? Um, seen, you'll be surprised. I've seen. I've actually seen a few because we've got Man City and Arsenal. I'm not reading the sentiment well enough. Um, okay, I mean, look, there's two tough games coming up, of course, but I th- I, I, ju- I just feel personally that Villa are looking much uh, much more upwards now rather than nervously over their shoulder. Um, I feel that I feel that they've they've proven in, in the games that they've played that they can see off some of these lower opponents um, and pack a punch against some of the bit, uh, better teams as well. So it'll be interesting these next two games. I think that I think Emery's got to take it back a little bit, almost go back to basics um, because as I wrote in, in my article at the, on The Athletic today, 
Uh, it just felt that he got a little bit carried away or, or maybe the team in general. You know, Clearly, he wanted to give the supporters a complete performance. He wanted to really entertain them at home, to have more possession, um, to attack on the front foot, to attack consistently. Um, that's, what he, that, that's what he'd called on for his players throughout the week. And it just backfired a little bit because they, they just lost some of the things that they'd done so well in the previous weeks. Um, and that just made them a bit more vulnerable defensively. Yeah, Villa have always been terrible from behind over the over the last few years, but under Emery, that's the first game where they've gone ahead and they haven't taken anything taken anything. From. I think it might be the first one where they haven't won the game from go, from going ahead actually. So, yeah, like you say, he's he's made a few changes, Emery, because he he seems to want this connection with the fan base, wasn't he? But to be fair, it's ended up kind of having the opposite effect because the the fan base was very very frustrated. It's it's almost like the way they've been set up to play away has obviously worked perfectly. Because they've they've won every game away from home and under Emery so far, because he's trying to move away from that home and, and and try something different. Do you think it's almost a case of we're not quite there yet? We're not quite ready. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just you know a bit of realism, really. Thinking you know realizing that Villa are still a mid-table team, looking to looking to press on, and and there are going to be days where they win some games and games uh, weekends where they lose. You know that that is simply the case. Leicester are a very good team with. Um, you know, they had a little bit of fresh impetus with, with Tete coming in. A couple, yeah, couple of, of new signings. A couple of new signings, and it clearly made a difference for them. And, you know, listening to Brendan Rodgers in, the, in, in his press conference after, he was delighted that he was able to get a few players in and just freshen up that squad, and he felt that was the real difference. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that what Emery wants is he wants a real connection with the Villa supporters. He knows that so many um, want to go to the games home and away. He, he knows that... When Villa are winning, the fans are in full voice, and he wants to really buy into that, and he wants the players to, to, to embrace that, and 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 um, you know almost, almost drive the supporters forward. You know, th- th- there's so many there that are willing, are willing, uh, willing to get behind the team, and are really ready for lift off, but they need the performance from the players to do that, and I think that's what Emery's trying to get. It's going to take time. That the you know the there are players there that are. Um, Playing better than than they were when they even Gerard. You know, you look at the other than the weekend. You look at the centre backs there that they're playing much better. I think Emmy Buendia was starting to really see what he is as a player. Um, now I think Ollie Watkins is starting to get his confidence back a bit as well, scoring lots of goals. Um, I thought he was excellent on on, on Saturday. He, he comes under a lot of criticism from supporters sometimes, but I think that the Leicester backline really struggled with him. Um, but it's just getting everyone to believe in it, and and hopefully it will it will work eventually. You wrote something in your piece this morning. I read it this morning <clears> that, that I said last night on the Villa View on our uh, post match point show actually that. When Villa, Villa, people talk about the centre-backs and playing out from the back and, and them being the problem, but actually the three goals that Villa have made mistakes for in terms of playing out from the back have come when giving it to the to the central midfielders. That's three different central midfielders that have made mistakes now and, and cost us goals. Where do you sit with that at the weekend? Because I do think, it, I think Kamari almost got himself out of it and then tried to go again when he should have just cleared his lines mm. at that point, but he had another go at trying, trying to play out. Martinez has played the ball into him a bit like the Douglas Louise one against Brighton. Do you think he should be playing the ball there? Because Concer and Mings seem pretty well set. It's almost like the central midfielder should be a decoy in that situation. Yeah, I look at it in two ways. I think perhaps Martinez should see that there are three players quite close to Kamara. So maybe that's not the best option. Um, Secondly, if the ball does come to Kamara, I think he's got enough time. You know, to, to to quickly pass it into one of the centre backs either side. Um, he tries to take that extra touch and go go round, 
um, and, and sort of wriggle out of it. I noticed later on in the games, he did that a couple of times in the centre of the pitch and successfully got away from players. So I like that. I like that in him. You know, he's very brave. He wants to. He wants to take those risks, um, even on the back of a mistake. But I just think it's going to take a little bit of fine tuning. You know, Villa need to. They need to have all their players very, very confident playing out from the back. And clearly, it's not quite working yet because three times, three times they've made mistakes. You know, Dendonka against Stevenage, um, Louise at, uh, at Brighton, and, and Kamara at the weekend. And Kamara again, you know, was dispossessed in the middle of the park, wasn't he, for the third goal? Third, yeah. Um, so you know, he probably had one of his worst games in in a Villa shirt. But we know that um, what an exceptional player he's going to be. So it's just working on it. Getting, getting the players um, really on board with it, really confident, and also not being afraid to just kick it long from time to time. It's not the end of the world. Emery really it, doesn't want that, em, though, does Emery he, doesn't want, No, Emery doesn't want it every single time. But there are times where, you know, as players, you can take that upon yourself and get rid of it. You know, I, I look at it and I think Villa are 1-0 up. They've just scored. And, and the aim is to try and keep possession because that's what they've done so well previously when they've gone ahead in the lead. They've they've almost killed the game and, and yeah. just tried to try to dominate possession as best as they can, pass it between themselves at, at the back um, and, and try to encourage teams on. You know, if you look at the... Um, uh, I forget the game. One of the home games where they went 1-0 up and then scored again straight after. Uh, when the other team was, was it the Leeds game? They get you know, I can't remember the great podcast there. I can't remember. Manu, Manu, possibly. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Manu, but... It's Manu, Manu, they went one nil, two nil. Yeah, uh, no, it, what, no, it wasn't, it wasn't, no, it wasn't it. the Tottenham game, the Tottenham game I'm thinking of. They went one nil up, brought uh, brought brought Matt Cash on to act as another sort of uh, defender to to yeah. to to, um, to protect the back line, but he played slightly forward. Um, and the way they managed the game there, they created gaps that allowed them to get the second goal. So I think that was part of the plan on, on Saturday, but it just didn't didn't work. Yeah, he likes to he likes that right person who's playing on the right hand side to drop in and make an extra defender at times, Unai Emery. Just now I mean there's so many things I'm fascinated by tactically from Villa, and I think that's one of the big things. At least I can see tactics now, and at least when they lose, I can still come away and still feel okay about it because I can see that there is a plan and they're trying to move forward. Whereas when they were losing games earlier in the season under the previous manager, I was coming away thinking, what have they done all week? I'm literally <laughs> saying, I'm saying, I'm saying nothing here to, to get behind. So at least now, you know, they lose, but I've still seen elements of play that I've liked from Villa. The thing I really disliked, my biggest pet peeve from that game from Villa was the fact that it was just, they didn't learn. They, so they've made a mistake for the first goal. They, they didn't learn because the third goal was kind of similar to, to the first goal. Martinez came flying out for the third goal as well, which I didn't think was the right thing to do. And then he didn't learn for the fourth. He came flying out as well. So it was almost like they just didn't learn from things as the, as the game went on and just continued to make mistakes. It's almost, and they have 40 minutes, you're winning the game 2-1. So you've been given a reprieve from your first mistake and you've got a lucky goal because you're 2-1 up with 40 minutes. There's no way on earth you should be going in 3-2 down when you're 2-1 up in 40 minutes. Yeah, I think that's perhaps the the most frustrating part of it. You know, Villa have when they've taken the lead, and a lot of the times it's been late in game under Emery, they've they've successfully managed to hold on to that lead, and they've done it really well. They've packed the defence. They've they've often added another defender in there, whether it be another left back or right back. I mean, I remember the Man United game. John McGinn drop, was dropping back as a left back. Um, 
Matt Cash had, had pushed over to another centre back. I think it was Jacob Ramsey had come back to a right back. So they were playing like a almost a six, even at times seven man defence. And that was just helping them hold on to the game. They didn't really do that against Leicester. Now I can understand why they didn't do it for the first goal, because it's so early in the game and, and, and Emery wants this complete performance where he really starts to try and entertain the fans. So they're looking for more goals. But the second goal. When they're two one up, maybe that should have been the time where they just thought, right, let's let's kind of try and hold on to this a little bit now and and, and see where we can go from there. Um, I don't I don't blame Martinez too much for the fourth goal as you mentioned there, Dan. I, I just think, think he came flying out for. I don't think I think he made he made to the mind of the attacking player by doing I, that. That's I'm just not my too opinion. sure. I just I just think because Moreno had missed the ball, you know, another individual mistake that on any other day probably just you know, controls and clears it. We don't even talk about anything like this. Um, I think uh, Martin has just had to react to it and tried to do his best. Um, and it wasn't enough, you know. Uh, Pratt had a, had, a, had a tap in in the end, didn't he? So, yeah, I, look, thought, I thought Martinez was kind of saying himself at the end of the game that he was kind of looking at himself a little bit. Maybe he was just being kind because he didn't want to single anyone out and he was making it a collective thing. But I, I thought that was quite telling at the end of the game that just, you know, yeah. I, I just think he made the, the, the forward player's mind up by coming out for, for both goals. The, the goals aren't his fault. Because he, you know, he, there was plenty of stuff happened before before it got to him. I just think if he'd held his held his his ground a little bit, then it stops. It doesn't give the player the option to go around by doing that. I think for the third and fourth, it made up the player's mind to go around him. They've kind of got around him for the first mm. as, as well, haven't they? So he'll be disappointed because at the end of the day, he didn't make a save in the game, did he, Martinez? I think they put one, no. they put a couple wide Leicester, but other than that, every chance has gone in. Yeah, and 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 like you know, spending some time with Neil Cutler, who who used to be his goalkeeping coach, um, and learning you know a lot about him and what he's like in the week, that will really disappoint him. You know, he'll be going through the debrief now, looking at those four goals, looking at ways where he can improve to to try and save them, even though they're, they're not really his fault. That's that's how um, you know dedicated he is to try to become better. Um, and yeah, it was good to see him speak actually after the game because in defeats. Players often, um, you know, shirk the media responsibilities. That they're, they're not interested in talking, which is understandable in some ways because, you know, you you, you don't want to you don't want to face up to it when you've just lost. You're annoyed. Um, so it's good to hear Martinez because uh, there are a couple of players in in that squad who speak very well after defeats, and and you really want to listen. And and he's one of them. Yeah, look, you just—it's one of them, isn't it? They've won five from eight. Is my motto at, at the end of it. So I'm happy with how things are going. They've definitely won more games than I expected them to. They're in a much healthier position than I would have expected them to be at this point. Picking up some great results away from home. So Emery's solved a couple of things early doors in that our away form was terrible. We could never come from behind. We've done that a couple of times to rescue three points and, and, and a point in, in game. So, you know, we're doing things that we haven't really done before. I can see that there's tangible improvement. I can see that they're, they're working on stuff during the week. The sound bites coming out are very, very positive as well. And it's not in the usual way where it's just the stuff that football clubs churn out. There's genuine yeah. insight there then from what players are talking about, that they are enjoying working under the new manager. Now, I know you... As a, as a man, you probably didn't like covering Villa's results, but as a man, you enjoyed working with, with Stephen Gerrard as, as a man of the press. What's what's Unai Emery been like? Uh, well, I've actually had some time off, so I'm, I'm still getting, you know, I had most of January off on holiday. Uh, I did quite a lot of work at the back end of last year covering, you know, some time in the World Cup. So I had a lot of time off. I, I spent some time with my, with my close friends and family in January. So um, my 
time with Emery, you know, at press conferences and in and around the, the, the training ground has been quite short at the moment. So I'm still learning a little bit about him myself. But every press conference I've been to, I've been very impressed with him. Um, I think his English is great. I, I, I like the way he uh, wants to try and connect with the fans. You know, that's really that's really key actually it comes across in in every conversation you know i've had either individually or, or collectively with him he, he 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 can see that this club um you know he's ready for lift off and 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 he needs real togetherness to and every little extra percent will help and he and he's really trying to to get that connection between the players and um, and himself and and the fans, so I like that. Um, he's very very intense, you know. From speaking to people uh, at the training ground, he's in, he's in early, he's out late. He spends so much time um, ahead of games looking at opposition. Uh, he likes to pull players aside and uh, alongside his coaches and, and and go through various video drills with them. Um, a lot of his coaches send individual clips to to some of the players for them to improve on um, and and help them understand where the manager wants them positionally. So you know if it's a fullback, for example, then uh, you know the, the fullback will will need to know where he needs to stand exactly when he's defending, where he needs to be positioned when he's attacking, and there'll be lots of clips that um, you know that, that that player will be will be sent to to work on. Um, Emery's spending a lot more time in hotels. You know, he's. he's uh... I know, sorry. Oh, right, you did, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could t- you could tell he's at the training ground, like, let me tell you, wasn't he in his dinner till about half past nine? Sorry, I mean, so, you know, he's doing some light, some light finishes at, at the training ground. That, that's definite. Yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, he, work, he works very late and uh, a lot of his time is spent in hotels at the moment. But yeah, when, when they're collectively as a team, um, that there are a lot of long meetings as well during the downtime, you know, in between food and and and, um, and rest and recuperation time. So the players are having to take that all on board, you know, and and it, and it requires a lot, a big buy-in, total buy-in, really, from 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 the team because training can become a little bit monotonous, and when you're working on shape work every week, uh, you know, very regimented shape work, and and you go in, you're listening to these long detailed video sessions. Um, it can become boring at times, so you need to keep winning games, and and the players are the players are enjoying it to an extent because they're winning. But if they weren't winning, it started to become hard for them. I think so. Yeah, that's the key, and and I think the key is with any new manager, as you see, you know, players are are very keen to impress them early on, but then as the months come in, they get a little bit more relaxed. So this is quite a crucial time, I think, because you know the players will all be used to the new manager a little bit now. Um, and you know those first impressions will, will will be fading. It's it's down to them to continue to set the high standards. Does anything? Well, this is just me asking a question. On as obviously I know you you've covered Villa for a long time. You know when the manager changes, like you all have had a set routine of when you would go to Bodymore Heath under the previous manager. The little things change, like the times that the press conferences are, or things that you have to do as as a journalist when the manager changes. I mean, there, there are there are things not so much logistically like that. I mean, press conferences typically tend to to take place on the same day. Uh, often, the manager will, will want it either in a, a morning or an afternoon session, depending on when he uh, takes training. 
um, you know, some managers like to to train late on on a Friday afternoon if they've got a Saturday game, and and sort of mirror the the the, um, the times rather than training in the morning. Um, it it just depends really. With Emery, he takes a little bit longer after games. Uh, you know, he likes to sort of address the players, take a little bit of downtime to um, to think about sort of the message he's going to send out. Uh, Dean Smith was similar in that way. He, he always wanted a little bit of time to think about what he was going to say in the media because you know that's where he addresses the fans that's where a lot of the players listen to his, some of his comments um, and where he either has to protect or dig out some of the players so um yeah you know he's, he's got a he's got a very big support staff around him emery uh not bigger than gerard surely gerard had about a thousand <laughs> members of staff <laughs> well it's growing How is it? there is a there is a there is a big group there, you know. Obviously, lots of Spanish speakers, so it's a it's a slightly different feel around the place. Um, um, and yeah, yeah, not not too many not too many changes, but s- some little things. Are the actual press conferences longer? Because Unai Emery to me feels like he likes to go into a, a lot of detail from the bits I've seen of press mm. conferences. So would he be one of the managers that that, that has that, like a longer press conference, for example? Uh, yeah, I think quite similar. I mean, towards the end of Gerard's era, it, it, the, the press conferences were just so tense and um, you know not, not really an enjoyable place to be because Villa were just losing so often. You could see this, you know, manager that that he wasn't broken, but he was he was getting towards the stage where there wasn't really much more he could say because Villa just kept losing, kept continued to lose. So. Um, they're more enjoyable in that respect because things are a bit more positive. You know, you, we're learning lots of new things. I like the way that Emery talks in detail about his sort of training regimes, what he wants from the players, um, how he's preparing for the game ahead. He doesn't give too much away tactically, but he's prepared to go into a lot of analysis and, and detail after. So uh, that obviously makes it easier for, for journalists like myself to, to write detailed match reports after. Should just say at this point, Greg's audio was a bit funny at times. There, we heard it, but he did kept changing style. Greg's got a microphone, but he's got a new laptop and he hasn't got the right adapter. So, on the day one of doing this podcast, Greg isn't using the correct equipment. So, that was very, very disappointing to learn just before we we're about to start. So, apologies for that. But next week, Greg will have the right equipment and he'll have his microphone plugged into his new laptop and we'll be good to go. Completely forgotten what I was going to ask you next at this point. Uh, transfer window, that was where I was going to go. So you oh, had yes. an article last week about Villa's transfer window, just describing what happened. The good thing about doing this pretty much a week after the transfer deadline shut Your article's been out there for a while now. So you, I feel like you'll be able to go into a bit more detail with me than you would have perhaps been able to this time last week. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a quiet end to the transfer window, wasn't it? And perhaps not what everybody expected i mean it's no secret that villa were trying to bolster their attacking lines you know they were looking at strikers they were looking at wide players um memphis Depay was a player that that villa looked at but it, it became very clear that he wanted to go to atletico madrid um when he was leaving barcelona so that one never really got going uh you know um, Nico Williams at Atletico Bilbao. He's a he's a player that, that Unai Emery still likes. Um, hard to get players out of Bilbao, isn't it? Yeah, it's very hard just because of the you know the connection that they have with the club. Obviously, you know, Williams brought the players there and 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 was on this ridiculously long run of appearances until he got injured a couple of weeks ago. Um, so there's that connection there, and and it was it was made very clear when when that story broke. Um, 
in the uh, in the in the national newspapers that that that, that Williams wouldn't be going anywhere in, in this window. Wouldn't be surprised if if Villa go back in for him um, in this in this next summer window. Um, couldn't quite get to the bottom of whether Villa did actually bid the the amount of money that was that was uh, that was reported. Um, there's certainly interest there, but we couldn't couldn't find out those finer details. Villa like to keep a lot of their transfer business private and and, and very rarely brief journalists um, on on these kind of things and certainly the finer details anyway so um, I think what we will see in the next window is some of the players that were linked um, to Villa in this last window Villa going back in for them the, the one exception Gerard Delefeo um, told there is no interest in him despite some of the the links the links to the Udinese winger there okay interesting because yeah, he was heavily linked at one point I feel as a fan I know there's frustrations because fundamentally Villa squad is now weaker than it was a month ago, I would suggest, just purely on the basis that Danny Ings has gone and purely on the basis of of numbers-wise as well. So Villa have, have lost some depth. But at the end of the day, they haven't lost anyone who was really offering anything in, in terms of minutes. So I feel quite at ease with Villa's transfer window. And the reason for that is, Greg, that if Emery had wanted someone, a winger or a striker, the money was there for, for, for that to happen. So Villa would have backed him. They would have given him the players that he wanted. I mean, that makes complete sense because Villa have moved heaven and earth to get Unai Emery in and you don't bring a new manager in and then in his first transfer window, not back him. He's got in the left back that he wanted and then Villa have got a striker in who who is a club signing, but Emery had also looked at himself, I believe. I think I read that in one of your pieces, actually. But Emery seems to want to wait for the summer because he'll be able to get a better level of player in the summer and get the player in that he wants that suits what he wants to do better. So I feel kind of at ease with that. Is that is that the case? Is that where we are with Villa's transfer plans? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, just just to clear up the the John Duran signing, it, it was a, it was a club signing, as you mentioned, Dan. Yeah, um, how, how that particular signing worked was um, Villa's recruitment team, which is obviously led by sporting director Johan Langer. They presented John Duran to to Emery. Um, you know, the, the the fact that they were going to try and get him when he arrived, and Emery took that on board and and thought that he would offer more at this point than perhaps Cameron Archer um, as a third striker. So the plan all along was to get another striker in alongside Ollie Watkins to act as some sort of support and that Duran would be used as a second, uh, as a third striker. But they didn't actually do that in the end, Villa. You know, they decided that some of the players that they'd looked at um, were either not you know, viable financially or uh, would not actually be any of improvement or good competition. Uh, strong enough competition for Watkins. So it ended up that Duran is now the the striker that they will probably turn to a little bit more often than expected in 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 the last 17 games of the season. Um and judging by his first appearance, you know, he looked like he got a bit about him. He looked quite quick. Um, yeah. so willing to put himself out there. Emery has said in his in his press conferences that, that he's been quite impressed with him, how he's been in training, um and that the future's now, you know, it, Okay, he might be a player who 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 excels in twelve months' time, but Villa might need him next next week, so he's going to be called upon, I think, a little bit more often. Um, in terms of the the other players that Villa looked at, yeah, I think if if Emery had identified a, a striker for say twenty million pound, um, and he said to 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 the owners that that he wanted them, I think that Villa would have would have made that move for him. But you know that. 
that that, that striker or that wide player wasn't available. So and and a midfielder as well. You know, he, he, Emery does want to strengthen the midfield. We know that Matteo um, Guendouzi was linked with the club. Villa Villa didn't actually bid for him. There is there is just interest from Emery there. Yeah. And perhaps that might be another one that 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 they might look at in the summer. But Marseille weren't willing to let him go on the cheap. You know, they're 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 pushing for the Champions League. They're doing well in Ligue One. Um, so he was going to be an expensive signing if he if he moved in January. Um, yeah, I think as you say, Dan, that the squad has been left a little bit light, um, but there are enough there are enough bodies to to cover if needed. Yeah, I obviously I was at Sky quite a lot over the January window, so I was speaking to quite a lot of French journalists. There's one prominent French journalist who's, who's a Villa fan, Jonathan Johnson. I was speaking to him quite a lot, and he said exactly the same thing as you that. Marseille knew there was a strong interest in Guendouzi. I think they themselves were were expecting a bid at some point, but that bid never materialised at any point. There was just there was this strong interest, and Marseille were bracing themselves for, for Villa to come in and try and have a, cra- a crack at signing him. But he's a player that you know, if, if if Emery does want him, someone he's worked with before, it's a player that knows Emery's methods. I thought he did well under Emery at Arsenal. If not getting that player in now. And having to wait and get him in in the summer, I'd rather they did that than just get someone in, in for the sake of it. Because Guendouzi, to me, he's not coming in to play where Luiz and Kamara are playing. He might do if one of them was to be injured. But because of the way Emery sets up, he's probably going to be one of those hybrid wide midfielders slash centre back, centre midfielder slash right back, isn't he? Really, that would be the kind of job I would yeah. envisage him doing. I think so. Yeah, I think he'd fit into the role that McGinn and, and Ramsey have. Yeah. have in. Um, you know, and it, if he becomes a target in in the summer, we we can we can do some more analysis on that. Um, I'd be shocked if they didn't go for him in the summer. Absolutely shocked. I think they'll look they'll look to do they'll look to do a midfielder for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, marvelous Nakamba's obviously gone on loan to to loot, and hopefully they can recoup some money for him. He'll only have one year left. Morgan Sanson out at Strasbourg. That, that's probably the the real big disappointment in in terms of uh you know recruitment over the last two or three years sanson was a player that villa had, had invested quite a lot of time and effort into and 14 million pound and 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 they hoped that he would work but it, it didn't quite work for them but look you know you, the, the you, you don't get every transfer right and um the way they held out for bubakar kamara even though he had a bad game at the weekend i'm sure we're going to see a very very talented player in the future in him yeah, a lot of people have obviously I put out on Twitter to ask ask you some questions. Tons of people asking about, about the transfer window. But Josh Ryan Ward saying, "How much do you think Unai will get to spend in the summer? Do you think Villa will go big in the summer, Greg?" Um, I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend to know that I know the exact budget because because I don't and and Villa keep those sort of finer details private. But that the, the I'm, I'm told that there will be money to to invest to reinvest in the squad um, to to significantly strengthen a couple of areas that that Emery wants to work on. The fact that they've got 12 million pound back for Danny Ings with another three million coming if West Ham survive, that's 15 million pound towards a new striker and and, and Villa didn't want to waste that in the end um, in January. So that's a head start that they've got as well. Yeah, I think we've railed off a couple of players that have left the club there. And I think that tells me everything I need to know about the quality of those players and are they would they be good enough to work under Emery? I mean, the Camber's going to Luton at the, at the end of the day. And I'm not being disrespectful to him or to Luton. But if that's the, the peak of the teams that are interested in him, realistically, if you want to be a top half Premier League team, 
it isn't a, isn't a loss. And again, I'm not trying to be disrespectful here, but that's where he's ended up. You know, the players, Strasbourg, I've got no idea how they're going in, in France, but that's where Sanson's ended up going. You know, these players have left, but were they really offering anything anyway? Well, this is it. You know, that they weren't, were they? Um, the, I admire Nakamba. It's a, you know, it's a fantastic story from 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 the way he was from his upbringings and and how he, um, you know, how he progressed and it became I think only the third Zimbabwean to, to to play in the Premier League. You know, fantastic achievement for him. But he wasn't a player that was going to take Villa forward. You know, he he was nowhere near the team in the end. Um, Even the Gerard, he was nowhere near it. No, he started really well, didn't he? And it was yeah. a little surprising that. That he that he never really um, got another chance like that, but clearly the managers have looked at him, spent time with him, and, and realised that there are better alternatives. And look, you know, he's gone to Luton Town, and, and we might we might mock the level that that he's moved to, but they're still the fourth or fifth highest performing team in the Championship. So um, you know, hopefully it works out for him because he's one of the he's one of the nicest sort of yeah you know, most kind, caring players that you you will ever come across you know very very respectable uh, polite young man somebody who is um uh somebody who was spoken very highly of by by all the managers that he's worked under um you know a credit to his country as well because he give he gives a lot back to charity so you know good good luck, good luck to marvelous but unfortunately he wasn't he wasn't taking villa forward yeah, good to see that dynamic midfield link up again of Nakamba and Lansbury. Villa fans fond of memories <laughs> of that midfield. Usually, when you let a load of players go and you don't particularly strengthen in January, there'd be you'd think right, this might be a chance for youth players to come through. I don't know whether you've had a chance to ask anyone about this. Villa obviously having two goalkeepers on the bench <laughs> at, at the moment, which I always just find absolutely bizarre. Why not just put someone else on, on the bench? Caden Young's been on the bench, but he wasn't at the, on the bench yeah. at the week. I don't think he seems the most likely to be the next one coming through. But Villa don't, it doesn't feel like there's that next player at the moment ready for the first team, ready to step up. Kane Kessler Hayden's ended, ended up staying, hasn't he? But it doesn't feel like there's that next player off the conveyor belt at the moment, which is a shame, really, because now would be the time to give, give youth a chance if someone was ready. But I'm getting the vibe that there isn't anyone that's in that position at the moment. Well, I mean, look, you know, look, Dan, in, in all honesty, Villa's best players, Villa's best youth players are out on loan, aren't they? Yeah. So, you know, Cameron Archer and, and Aaron Ramsey are at, the, are, at the, are at Middlesbrough, who are fourth in the Championship. Uh, Jaden Philogene Bidace is, is at Cardiff, you know, another mid-table Championship club um, or, or, or club that's, you know, in the Championship, shall we say. Um, Timmy Rugbunum, performing well, performing yeah. well. QPR certainly at the start of the season he's been moved back a little bit under under Critchley now and was 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 definitely playing better in a more advanced role under Beal. Um, but he's somebody that a lot of big clubs are actually looking at as well and they're keeping an eye on him. Um, you know, no 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 bid or anything like that for him, but they're certainly monitoring him because of his performances for for England under 19s in in the um, successful tournament last summer uh, and, and what he's doing in the Championship. There's also players like Lamar. Bogard, Louis Barry hasn't quite worked out for him, but he's gone to Salford um, and, and other players that are on loan. So what Villa have found is all their best players have been, um, they see a better pathway by sending them out on loan, helping them play regular men's football and increasing in value. So in the future, they will either be sold on for millions of pounds or potentially become squad players. 
Yeah, Rakesh Pradhan was asking about about the youth players on Twitter, so I've nicked your question, Rakesh, and put it in for myself. Uh, what about uh, there's this Courtney Hall situation at the moment? I know the Athletic have been reporting. I don't know if it's been used specifically. I think Adam Leventhal's been report, reporting on it. It seems like a bizarre thing at the moment that I've never really seen happen else, elsewhere before. Can you just explain what's going on with that at the moment? Yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, for, for for the full details, I'd, I'd point you to the to the athletic article. Um, myself and Adam Leventhal have, have been have been all over this and 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 um, explaining it in full. So it would be easiest to read it. But the situation is, Villa sent Courtney Hawes out on loan. Um, he he picked up an injury during his loan spell at Watford. Watford have said that um, he's not going to be in the in the twenty five man squad. Um, and, and are happy to send him back to Villa, but Villa aren't interested in bringing him back because they've already planned the, for the season. Um, I think that's strange because we've only got three centre backs ourselves at the moment. Fit. Well, I mean, you know, Bubakar Kamara trained as a centre back, didn't he, in the younger days? So can play there if an emergency. Diego Carlos is returning. Josh Feeney, they've got very high hopes for, so he could be called upon if needed. I think the Villa have got lots of backup options, you know, Callum Chambers as well, if they really need to. They decided that Courtney Hawes. You know, was going to go out on loan. It was a season-long loan agreement, so I can understand from Villa's point of view why they don't want to bring him back. There's probably a little bit of stubbornness on on both sides, but it's a business decision, and I can understand the uh, the PFA have got involved now to see whether whether Courtney can can have his treatment um, where where he can get his injury treatment because he's going to be out for. Um, you know, a good a good few more weeks, even if he does have the surgery. So, yeah, go and go and have a read on the athletic and the and the full details will all be in there. I think this is one of those situations where people have a go at players sometimes for being greedy and wanting to move and going to care about money and things like that. But it does show you that actually, you know, the situations where players don't get treated that well either. You know, Courtney Hall is in a difficult situation here at the moment. It's probably really, really getting to him and potentially getting to to his mental health. So people talk about players and the way they treat clubs i think sometimes but there it does happen the other way and you know football can be fickle both ways i think players are often seen as robots aren't they they're expected to um they're expected to take everything and and, and just deal with everything and like it's 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 easy for them but it isn't you know when when a, when your body's breaking down for example or or you're not playing or you have to move clubs um because you because you're not getting game time and you have to move to a different country and you have to up at, um, move all your family across and you've got young children with you and things like that people often don't see that they just look at it and think well you're earning millions of pounds uh, a year you should be all right but it's not as simple as I see that no you served Villa well Courtney Horse you know there'll be more spectacular players that play for Villa in the future and they have played for Villa but you know he's been a good servant to the club so I'd like to see him looked after and not like, like to see that sorted out because that's that's no, that situation is no good for anyone at the moment, in particular Courtney Horse. Before we go, Greg, let's look ahead to Manchester City on Sunday then. Man City, I'm imagining, don't lose too many games in a row. And obviously they've lost to Spurs yesterday. Deserve to lose, really. I thought Spurs were the better team, managed the game very well on Sunday. Difficult task, but kind of one that I'm excited to see how Villa line up and how Villa approach it. Yeah, I think Emery's record um, when he's manager of a, a lesser, a lower-ranked club uh, against some of the bigger boys in in the division and, mm-hmm. and in, he's very good. So, be interesting to see his his tactical approach. I think it's a good time to play Man City. I, I watched the game against Tottenham too, and and they just didn't quite seem right. You know, Guardiola was there on the sidelines, getting very, very frustrated. Clearly, um, you know, he's he's um, his thoughts were. Um, it, it, the way he wants his team to play, he's, he's not been 
um, replicated by his players at the moment. Thought thought Jack had a had a good game. Thought he, he was their best player, wasn't he, by a mile? Yeah, I thought he was probably uh, you know the, the the most creative spark. So be interesting maybe because it might be the first time he, he starts a game against Villa, mightn't it? So be interesting to see um, how that how that dynamic works. But yeah, good time to play Man City actually. We perhaps with some of the off field problems as well. Yeah, it does feel like ideal, Emery. Like like you say, so many European games where Villarreal went away to places and, and picked up results by having a really astute game plan. I am really interested to see what he comes up with against, against Manchester City. And they're not at the best at the moment. They're not the side that they've been for, for the last few seasons. The Jack point is interesting because it does feel like he's first choice at the moment. He's probably never felt like that in the time since since he moved out. Obviously, I hope he has an absolute stinker or that if he does have a good game, Villa still go on and win. But it'll be interesting to see him lining up against Ashley Young. I guess because I guess that's a yeah, plan yeah. against. Wow, yeah, yeah. I've, I've just thought about that actually. Yeah, very interesting. I mean, somebody who, who he, uh, you know, he obviously grew up watching, didn't they? So yeah, <laughs> it will be an interesting game. Yeah, the path never quite crossed at Villa. Although actually, when Ashley Young came back, Grealish would have still just about done a few training sessions with him when he came back from international duty. So the path would have crossed briefly before Jack moved to Manchester City. But he'll have definitely spent some time watching him as a kid and, and enjoying his performance. Two of the best left-sided players Villa have had in my time supporting the club. I think that does us, Greg. So thanks ever so much for joining me. I've enjoyed talking to you again. Hopefully this podcast will offer what it used to offer on The Athletic and just offer something different to the other content that's out there on Aston Villa Football Club. As I say, I've enjoyed it. I've learned some stuff as well from Greg. Obviously, it's different getting a proper journalistic perspective on what's going on at Villa Park. Watch this podcast on YouTube. You can listen to it on all the audio platforms as well. Fingers crossed. That's not up to me. I'm hoping they come out on time. We'll be back next Monday with another show, another episode of 1874. Thanks to Luke Roper. Thanks for watching or listening and up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.